I did too, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna jump in." <laughs> How's it going? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, it's uh, it's February, and um, it wasn't until I moved to Quebec that I really realized that Groundhog Day is probably the most ridiculous <laughs> thing that Canadians yep. celebrate. Does that go beyond Canada, or is that just like <laughs> a weird Canadianism? <laughs> you know what? I think the states have that that. Uh, that poor little guy with a lot of X's in his name. So there must be an American thing too. Oh yeah, they had that movie with Bill Murray, right? I don't know, dude. <laughs> it must be a North American thing. But whatever it is, it's 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 fucking unimaginable that spring is coming in six weeks. So or just around the corner. So yeah. happy uh, happy beginning of February to you. Happy beginning of February to you as well. Thank you. Yeah, Groundhog Day, very strange. <laughs> That's not what we're here to talk about today. What are we here to talk about today? Well, it's kind of connected because there's a lot of uh, talk around this time of year of how much of a slog existence can be and how things get exacerbated by the isolation and the cold and the dark. Although, of course, the light is returning, so that's really great. Mm -hmm. Real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode is going to be on everybody's favorite january 30th topic <laughs> bell let's talk let's talk bell or as i like to call it nora let's talk about bell let's talk i mean we should thank bell we should thank bell for this podcast because they gave us the idea to talk um i i don't want to thank bell for anything least of all my internet <laughs> <laughs> it's really shitty <laughs> it's really shitty and for some reason my building doesn't offer the alternatives yet but as soon as they do I'm getting out of this shit <laughs> yeah bell let's bell let's talk um this is always a difficult one because um the the idea behind the message that we need to to talk more about mental health is a good one is an important one. It's a great one. But when a corporation uses that or exploits that for uh, perhaps not necessarily the right reasons or is doing it in order to hide other things that they're doing or doing it hypocritically or doing it while just generally being corporate dicks, it's it becomes a problem. Yeah, it's all bad, actually. Um, <laughs> it's all bad, especially when, when you also can see exactly uh the connections that that exist between people's mental health and the services that bell does or doesn't provide or the kind of employer that bell is or you know any number of things that bell has in their power to do that the rates they charge the rates they charge the fact that uh you know that the telecom corporations stop uh widespread cheap accessible broadband yep so let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> okay, so let's let's start with, you know, perhaps just a general discussion about why it's good to talk about mental health because we don't we don't want people coming away from this this podcast thinking that Nora and Sandy are just like terrible people who do not think that it's good to talk about mental health. Of course it is. It's a it's something that is 
not only just good to talk about, it's something that's necessary to talk about and not just in a, um, I need to, it, I, it needs to be okay for us as uh, people who live in any sort of community to admit that we are struggling with mental health issues, but also in, in a way that our society often refuses to talk about mental health, which is let's talk about the root causes of mental health. Let's talk about poverty. Could that possibly be related to mental health? <laughs> Can we talk about services that uh, our government does or does not provide for us and perhaps doesn't provide for us um, in an adequate way? Could that perhaps be affecting our mental health? Could racism and white supremacy have something to do with our mental health, perhaps? And the, the idea that we should talk about mental health but not talk about how it's connected to all of these other things is really strange. And that's exactly what, uh, th that's exactly how um, a corporate entity like Bell would seek to talk about mental health because they're not trying to do anything that's super risky to their brand. And so they, they don't want to talk about capitalism or racism when they're talking about mental health. No, no, they just want to talk about mental health as a super individualized thing, an individualized phenomenon that just so many individuals happen to be experiencing and can share their very individual experiences of, of it, um, you know, through social media or through a hashtag or whatever, uh, which is actually quite harmful <laughs> to refuse to talk about what's behind so many people in our society experiencing mental health issues. Yes, that's right. Um, so this podcast is going to touch on, I think, a lot of things. We're going to talk about uh, Bell directly, what the ways like that, that they exacerbate uh, poor mental health. Uh, we're going to talk about the police. We're going to talk about... Incarceration. Incarceration. And, uh, and we're also going to talk about politicians because, of course, politicians are doing are using this as well as a, as a cover to not have to take any responsibility. And so the message of this episode really is going to be the, that famous DOA line, talk minus action equals zero. <laughs> <laughs> really good algebra there. Thank you. I want to start by talking about mine and Nora's uh, like historical engagement with mental health because mental health as a... Uh, issue that needed to be addressed really came into, you know, like the en vogue of the things that our society should be taking care of uh, back when Nora and I worked in the same office. Um, and that was in around 2012, I want to say around 2010 to 2012 time. And like a lot of things in this country, as we discussed last week, a lot of that discussion started on campus. People started to talk on campus about how important it was to um, address some of the mental health issues that students were experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, administrations and student life professionals and student unions were noticing that more and more students were reporting um, experiencing mental health issues or were struggling in some sort of way, which requires some sort of mental health service to to really help those students through what they were what they were going through, and um, Nora and I noticed that the discussion about 
mental health on campus was so strange. It was devoid of any talk. It was like, okay, so for the for the first time, we're noticing that mass amounts of students are going through this issue, but nobody was linking that to having the highest tuition fees ever, having the mm-hmm. highest debt levels ever, um, having the highest class sizes ever. It was it was really bizarre that no one seemed to be linking this phenomenon that was growing, that people were were acknowledging needed to be addressed specifically, and nobody wanted to address that to to connect that to other phenomena that were happening that could clearly have some sort of effect on how students were were feeling. And in in raising this issue uh, to administrators and politicians and so on, it was just such such people were so resistant to it. Nobody wanted to talk about some fixes that might help with uh, stress or anxiety or other mental health issues that students may be experiencing or, um, you know, nobody wanted to talk about uh, fees. They just wanted to talk about what can, what office can we open? What doctors should we get? What counselors should we get on campus to talk to students who feel bad? Nobody wanted to talk about any root cause or anything uh, to do with how we can stop students from feeling this way in the first place. And I think that that kind of orientation to mental health um, has definitely penetrated the rest of society in exactly that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it, it's a very uh, convenient excuse, right? Because when when you're doing that kind of work on the ground and, you know, at Ryerson, one of the, the programs that we ran was any student that had um, failed out basically of a semester, they had to come to a workshop that we organized so that we could try and help them figure out what the problem was. And in those workshops, there was always like three different kinds of people. There were people who failed out because of a, of a major life event. So like a, a death or a fire or some tragedy that they couldn't they they couldn't do their their class because of that mm-hmm. the second group of people were people that should probably not have been in the program that they were in but they were under tremendous stress um to stay in the program that they were in but the third the third group of people which was quite common were the the folks that were under severe mental stress uh mental health stress because of all of the pressures of succeeding of um of not losing what was effectively a, a you know a five thousand dollar payment uh, with nothing to show for it because you flunk out of school like that 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 kind of stress was so tremendous and was so obvious and the fix for something like that is really obvious as well but it's it's not obvious if you don't want to spend the money and it's not obvious if you think that one-off fixes are going to be what helps uh, the fundamental issue of improving people's overall health and wellness and you know health mental health physical health it's all connected right mm-hmm and so, um, and so, Bell, let's talk. Really fits into this mold. Uh, this uh, into this mold where uh, I'm going to throw some statistics at you because I think that these are, you know, these are interesting. It's important for us to talk about uh, some of the statistics of their their campaign. So they gave they have given a hundred million dollars in grants since 2011, which is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Since 2011, okay, sure, we can call that a lot if we'd like. <laughs> I mean, relatively. Right. So divide that by every year, right? Mm-hmm. Eight years. Eight years. Now, 
how much did they make? So, Bell, this in the in the most recent uh, earnings uh, announcement, which uh, came in at the end of last year, but it was for quarter three, third quarter uh, 2018 results. Bell had net earnings of $867 million. And, for, and that's one year, you said, or one quarter? That's one quarter. <laughs> it's one, one quarter. One quarter. And this is revenue, million. right? Great. Yeah, this is, not, mm-hmm. this is not the gross. This is how much money they literally made. So $867 million. Net revenue grew by 2%. Um, and so, you know, let's imagine. So they've got four quarters. Uh, eight times four is... 24 so something in the world of you know more than two billion dollars just in 2018 alone mm-hmm. and so then let's multiply that by by the same years eight years so that's you know 16 billion dollars and and they want canadians to be really proud that they've donated 100 100 million and you know the money that they've that they've donated it's it's going to you know i'm just looking here very quickly there's you know the institute Universitaire en santé mentale in montreal um, so $500,000 donation for research there, a $400,000 uh, donation to the Montreal General Hospital for a repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation device and neuron navigator, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a device that can help people with mental health uh, issues uh, can actually feel better. Um, it, it's like, sorry, <laughs> so you're making billions of dollars in profit. And you're able to then have this massive campaign to make Bell look really positive and then start pun- funding things in the public sector that should be funded by the taxes that we should be taking to reduce your excessively disgusting profits. Yeah, and then we've got um, politicians who are sharing this kind of this corporate messaging um, as though that's something that we should support. And the way that they, they phrase it is that they, they donate five cents for everybody who uses the hashtag Bell Let's Talk, which is such a cheap way to try to talk about mental health. Like, if you've got money to donate, fucking donate the money. <laughs> Don't do this, like, five cents, blah, 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 whatever. But also, you know, maybe advocate for tax reform to make sure that uh, we have the type type of funding that we need as a society to provide mental health uh, programming and supports for people. And also, maybe you should, with all of the power that you have, do something about uh, generally communication in this country <laughs> and providing, providing services to help, it, to, to help make it easier for people to communicate. Because of course, uh, one of the issues with mental health can be the feelings of isolation and so on. And Bell, like you have a role to play there. Like you could make the internet more accessible. You could reduce your fucking st- stupid, expensive uh, phone rates, mobile charges, and so on. Like there's a lot of things that Bell could do concretely to affect mental health. Besides just a hashtag in which they donate five cents per message, um, that is a drop in the bucket in their billion dollar profit year after year. Yeah. And a lot of folks were sharing this. Uh, I saw this a lot on the day. Um, the data about how much more Canadians pay for our cell phone service than 
anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. So if you want to compare to Australia, for example, their average monthly prices for cell phone plans are up to seventy thirty seven dollars less expensive um, per month than Canadians. Oh yeah, all over the world, <laughs> everybody has far more affordable plans. And and there's only what like three four main companies in Canada that uh, own like perhaps several subsidiaries, and they make all of the cash. So like you know it, it it's not like they don't have the ability to reduce it because as soon as one one of those big four or five reduce their prices, the rest of them do. Um, But we're digressing a little bit. My point is that Bell has a a massive amount of power in this world to um, create these types of services for for people who use their services. But they can also, we know they have the ear of the government based on how many government officials use the hashtag on on January 30th. They could advocate for certain types of change, but they're just doing this in a really cheap um kind of here you know we're, we're gonna do this and people will share our corporate name hundreds of times on this day and we're gonna get a lot of good press out of it um so it's uh it's actually only three companies <laughs> bell rogers and Telus have 91 percent can you believe i was gonna say but there's freedom too <laughs> Yeah, well, no, there's this, there's also like Saskatel and, and like yeah. there are some still public carriers, but like but ninety one percent, ninety one percent these three corporations and Bell is one of them. It's like, uh, they 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 embody, they embody everything that is wrong with corporate culture, that they can make billions and billions and billions of dollars in profits off of us just trying to communicate with our loved ones. And then they sell back to us a campaign, apparently, for mental health. And then they make, you know, donations that are necessary within the communities because community organizations and the health system and the education system are forced to pick up the slack for exacerbated mental health that's widespread in Canada. <laughs> it's like, do you think we're not paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps it's even more insidious. Perhaps they just don't care. I mean, I'm sure that uh, the pre- the president of Bell is probably like lighting cigars with fifty dollar bills right now. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some of the um, the the weird hypocrisies about Bell doing this. So one thing that I think I saw you retweet, I saw Desmond Cole retweet this as well. Um, I retweeted something uh, where Bell was uh, con- retweeting police departments that were participating in the Bell Let's Talk Day. And these police departments would retweet or would tweet something about mental health, about how important it is to talk about mental health, because that's that's the acceptable line of the day. We need to talk about mental health. And then Bell would, would retweet it, and they had like a, a pre-made... Um, graphic that they used of a of like a, a friendly looking uh, stick figure police officer <laughs> uh, that was like you know thank you police for being a part of this campaign so important that you're engaging <laughs> engaging how <laughs> how please explain to me with all that we know about how police officers and how the justice system Um, and how it works, the criminal justice system works across this country, and how 
uh, police officers' interactions with people who have mental health issues uh, often result in serious harm, um, unwarranted harm to people uh, who are experiencing mental health issues. Why in the world <laughs> is it, one, appropriate for Bell to have that type of, uh, you know, pre-created type of tweet um, or retweet function, whatever, plan to do on that day? And how ridiculous is it for police officers and police departments to be able to, you know, pat themselves on the back, brush some dirt off their shoulder by retweeting this bell let's talk and never having to engage with the numerous reports that are out there that say uh, police officers you're dealing with people with mental health issues um, in an inappropriate way we need you to change your tune and, and nothing ever happens yeah yeah and it's it's so embedded in the system that uh, according to a study from the correctional service of canada among the women who are in custody of CSC, 80% of those women meet criteria for some current mental disorder, is what their study says. Which is unsurprising. We, of course. It's unsurprising. We know that um, jails uh, and like just the, the very idea of incarceration uh, serves as like the number one mental health facility i don't know if you can call it a mental health facility patient or whatever facility for people because we we, we do not have appropriate services um, appropriate emergency services to deal with mental health crises in this country and loc all over our local um, communities and so what that ends up with is a lot of people who are incarcerated who shouldn't be incarcerated? Well, I don't think anybody should be incarcerated, but <laughs> who who shouldn't be incarcerated? Um, and so we've got these jails that serve as yep. mental health facilities. Yep. Which is torture. <laughs> That's just torture. Torturing people um, who are experiencing mental health issues. Yeah, and I I don't recall seeing Bell um, have a a smiley uh, face of someone who's in jail. Uh, have a smiley face of someone who's incarcerated or I mean to be fair we could have missed it <laughs> but I did see activists <laughs> uh, drawing attention to uh, what funny little fact uh, the does does Bell play what role does Bell play within Canada's correctional system well Bell provides all of the phone service <laughs> for Canada's correctional system and well, something that's very interesting that people may not know is that you cannot, Bell has not made it possible for people calling from within a facility uh, to, to contact someone on a mobile phone. You have what? to contact. Yeah. I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, if you are calling from a jail, you have to call a landline. You cannot call a mobile phone. What? So someone, yeah, so someone like myself, who, like, doesn't have a landline, like a lot of people, <laughs> uh, it's impossible for someone who's inside, who's incarcerated, to contact me on my phone. And if you're someone who need, like, you know, perhaps you're going, you, you're incarcerated because of a mental health issue and you need to speak to someone in your family that's part of what will assist you 
um, in, you know, whatever treatment you, you're, you're going through or what you need. Uh, Belle, you know, that's, that's a simple thing you could do. That's a, there's a simple thing you could do, but, and this is something they know of, obviously activists have raised this several times, but they, they haven't done it. They haven't done it. Uh, I also saw, uh, you know, you mentioned politicians retweeting this. Um, my favorite politician retweeting this was, of course, Vic Fideli from the Ontario Conservative Party. And he was also saying that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, uh, I will also donate five cents uh, to Bell or to mental health initiatives if uh, if you retweet me. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> that is so bizarre. I know. It's like, sorry, aren't you literally responsible for like all spending in the government of Ontario? Couldn't you by yourself like cancel the police and take that money and put it into literally anything else? Oh, my God. So this kind of hypocrisy, I mean, like, you know, after eight years of this campaign, I, I, I was I've been bitter about this campaign from, from the start because of a situation where. Um, and Sandy, you'll remember this. Uh, uh, the president of Queen's University was uh, had a memo uh, leaked where he was very excited about the prospects of how much money they would be able to make at Queen's University off of this program. Oh, my God. Yeah, I recall. So gross. But as as it's gone on and on, like, I feel like people's uh, patience has has uh, started to wane further because you you can't just talk and talk and talk every single year. And then this like incredible symbol of of an Ontario that is crumbling that is falling the fuck apart that is uh that is with a government that is canceling sexual assault and mental health services on campus um with a government that's that's got a, a secret plan to privatize a system which will devastate mental health services as they already are and already are in- inadequate and but they tweeted about it and here they are. They're so like, okay. we'll give you, I'll, I'll donate personally. I'll donate personally, you know, 800 bucks to mental health stuff. And it's like, no, no, you know what? How about you do no personal donations, but like you don't privatize the entire fucking health system. How about that? That is so ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. I almost fell over when I saw, when I saw Fideli tweet that. The, the, the probably the most um, troubling thing that I saw this year and in addition to you know a lot of people as I say being more and more critical more and more frustrated that 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 Bell's is using this consistently year over year as a marketing uh, strategy and of course that it's starting to get into spam and so I'm sure you know folks listening probably received anywhere between two and like 30 messages from family members that actually weren't Bell at all it's just spammers trying to get you to forward their messages yeah could you fix that problem please Bell? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus but but the most the most um, concerning thing that I saw, and I'm sure you would probably agree, happened uh, a day after. And so, um, as as you said, uh, there was a lot of police departments tweeting about uh, the importance of talking about mental health, uh, without actually saying what the fuck that means or or what they would mm-hmm. um, what they would be doing differently, because of course. Not only are people with mental health uh, issues uh, more often criminalized, but police uh, treat them poorer. It's more vi- like it, it's likely that you'll experience more violence at the hand of the police if you're in a in a state of crisis. Um, and so, Ottawa police 
on January 30th on Bell Arts, Bell Arts Talk Day, they tweeted uh, a, a, a photo of the mayor of Ottawa with some uh, representatives of the Ottawa police and paramedics divisions. And they tweeted it saying, you know, Bell Let's Talk. Mm-hmm. The following day, Ottawa police shot and killed Greg Ritchie. Greg Ritchie was in crisis. He was holding a small axe. He was standing outside of a pharmacy. His family said that he had just gone to the pharmacy to to fulfill a, subscri- a prescription. Ottawa police showed up and they shot and killed him. I, I, I mean, if there's any bigger example of this entire campaign being completely useless or completely fraudulent, it's, it's this unbelievable tragedy. Um, Greg had, had not lived in Ottawa very long. He was living with family. He's from uh, Kitchener, and again, Ottawa police, and it's and it was a, a, a police that intervened. One had already been uh, previously charged by the SIU. And of course, this is all happening uh, just before um, Abdirahman Abdi's uh, police killer, Daniel Montesson, is about to to go on trial. Um, he was charged, uh, and Daniel Montesson was a is and or I guess was I don't know if he's still with officially with the force or not but was a uh, Ottawa police officer who um, killed Abdirahman Abdi Um, and that that was a killing that was in in 2016 Abdirahman Abdi was also um, experiencing mental health issues and he was beaten to death so you know, I, I, I don't know what's, what, what, what types of uh, steps the Ottawa Police Department took between 2016 and last Thursday that would have been, that would have resulted in uh, something less than uh, the word hypocrisy being used to describe their engagement with the Bell Let's Talk campaign on the Wednesday, but I'm willing to bet it's not a lot. I'm willing to bet that it's not a lot. So Greg Ritchie was uh, 30 years old. Uh, he had lived at uh, Saugeen First Nation. So he's an Indigenous man. Um, and uh, this past weekend, uh, folks gathered to remember him. And they gathered outside of the office of the Ottawa Police Services facility on Elgin. When a campaign, when a campaign like Let's Talk can be used by... Uh, an organization like the Ottawa police that has a poor record in helping people in crisis. Um, and so poor that people are, are killed in confrontations with Ottawa police. Uh, we really, I think as, as like, you know, society as people who, um, maybe used a hashtag or maybe, uh, use bell as a, as a service provider, we really need to call this stuff out. We really need to uh, call uh, call out the Ottawa Police Services for their hypocrisy, call out Bell for their hypocrisy uh, with keeping prices really high and keeping profits really high and um, benefiting from a tax system that privileges their profits over properly funding mental health services and hospitals and therefore Bell can step in and fund the gaps that are created by the system that they benefit from. 
And, you know, like if, if police officers or police departments were really and truly interested in in supporting efforts for, for mental health, one of the things that is in their power to do is to say, here, take a big chunk of my funding, municipalities or the province or, you know, if it's the RCMP, wherever, whatever local police, whatever police department serves your local area, they could say, chop off a bit of our funding and let's create an emergency service specifically for those who are experiencing mental health crisis. Yeah. I mean, there's something really specific that could have a massive structural change in this country. I don't think the only option that should be available to us, and I've said this before, when someone is having a mental health crisis, is having to call the police to show up, who have the power to then kill you if they simply fear for their life. And, you know, fearing for your life can take all sorts of different forms, but let's be really clear, when you're indigenous or black, um, often the way that police officers or, you know, what we hear, what their report backs are about how they how they view people of these identities are, are almost always in such a way where we, we feared for our lives, whether there's, there's a, um, a weapon present or not, or whether there was any sort of action that would have um, warranted them feeling that way. And so what if we had an emergency service specifically where people were trained specifically to assist people through a mental health crisis and we didn't have to call the police? Like, I think that that would be quite an innovation. (laughs) It seems almost obvious that that is the way that we should be thinking about how to keep people safe because a mental health crisis... Um, can be a danger to the individual themselves, obviously, and to people around them, for sure. But it, the, the, the chances of that escalating into something that hurt, harms the person experiencing the mental health crisis, we know are exacerbated by the presence of police officers. There's report after report about this and recommendation after recommendation about this. And, you know, what a good idea it would be to take some of the funding out of police departments and put it into a new kind of mental health service. That's the type of uh, let's talk that I want to have about mental health. Mm. You know, I don't want to just talk about, um, hey, I've, ex- I've experienced these things before. Like, that's important. I, I think it is important for people to share their own personal experiences because it helps people understand that they are not isolated and that it's it's not strange in this world to experience, um, you know, mental health struggles. But the types of discussions that I want to have about mental health are not the type that Bell is interested in having, is not the type that politicians or um you know, police departments or other such service providers who engage in these types of discussions are interested in having. I want to actually change our systems that we we don't have negative interactions uh, with police and with, you know, being incarcerated. And I want to change our system so that we don't 
you know, if we if we have underlying mental health issues, if they're not exacerbated by a feeling of like crushing doubt about your future because, you know, you're living in poverty or you can't access certain services or, you know, the numerous things that add to the factors that lead us to experience mental health issues in our lives. That's the kind of discussion that I want to have. Yeah, it's like when you call uh, 911 because your house is on fire, you absolutely do not th- want the cops to be the ones that show up. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> like you want the guys, you want the guys there with the water. Right? Exactly. And the axes. Exactly. And so we, we even do have models for alternative <laughs> crisis intervention that's appropriate. Yep, alternative emergency services. Yep, exactly. Right. One of the things that I've been very uh, troubled by, uh, you know, considering how many um, men uh, send me messages that are very threatening uh, from time to time, uh, if it's a person that looks like it's real, I'll like find out about them and I'll be in touch with like their employer or their family. And I'll say, hey, uh, this is a message that your loved one sent me. Um, Do I need to be afraid for my life? Uh, Do you need to uh, have an intervention? And on a couple of occasions, I've had people respond to me to say, well, as you can imagine, we've tried everything. Uh, they've got mental health issues. We can't help them. We can't help them. We can't help them. It's, it's like a parent saying or a friend or, or an employer saying we can't help them. And so it's like, yeah, not only do we need to think of that, that how do you have better first response crisis intervention that aren't cops? But then on top of that, it's like, what are the services and the programs that we need to have as a society that, you know, you can actually refer someone to that isn't incarceration or that isn't or carceral or that isn't a hospital like is there some sort of other thing on top of um like the most crisis is going to be hospital services where you actually need you know medical interventions but what about what about community groups or 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 being given a, a prescription to like volunteer or to take a free class to learn something or to discover something that you've never you know like education that has like nothing to do with maybe what you're is ex- directly experiencing but can actually get you out of isolation that can get you to meet people that can get you maybe maybe isolation is one of the biggest problems that is that is driving some of the of the crisis of mental health well we know that it is we know that isolation is a is bad for your health and we're not we don't have any of these discussions now if you go to the bell let's talk page it's pretty amazing because they post all of like where their money goes. It doesn't say how much money everybody gets, but you can imagine it's probably $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 grants or whatever. And they're all organizations that you've probably heard of, like their YWCAs or their crisis centers or their or their uh, services uh, for, for youth with eating disorders or whatever. But in a democracy, it should be like us, the people that decide how our money gets spent through taxation and it's these organizations that shouldn't have to come cap in hand to a uh, you know to a corporation that's making too much money and that out of the goodness of their heart this year they've decided to give the money and next year maybe not at the end of the day like we the people know like our own problems better than bell does we know our own problems better than the state does and if our democracy is functioning properly then we are taxing people properly and we have enough public funding to ensure that we're able to place that money into into the right into the right location so rather than skyrocketing police budgets it is talking about different kinds of frontline interventions or it is talking about 
massive investments in in the healthcare system to to have different machinery that's more widely widely available or and not just like available in certain centers or or dealing with you know suicide crises that are directly linked to colonialism that will not be fixed by one off or two off or even five off grants yeah, so I don't like it is it's not important to me to hear Justin Trudeau or to, to read Justin Trudeau tweet. This was his tweet. Um, Every bell, it's talk day. Canadians come together to speak out, break down stigma and talk openly about our mental health. There's still a long way to go. We've come so far. Retweet this and bell donates five cents, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want to hear that from a politician about mental health. You have so much more responsibility with respect to mental health. I want to hear what your plan is uh, to ensure potable water across this country. I want to hear what your plan is to make sure that people who are experiencing these health issues have those issues addressed. Like you're a politician. That is your responsibility. I don't want you to it's I don't want to hear like we've come so far. We have more ways to go. Let's talk openly like like tell me what the fuck you're going to do for me. What is it? That's the discussion that we should be having on mental health. So fuck Bell, let's talk. Let's not talk to Bell. Let's talk to each other <laughs> about what we want to do and organize in order to force the political will uh, to, to make these types of structural and institutional changes happen. It can't, we can't just be satisfied with a corporate campaign that's devoid of any real politic. Mm-hmm.